The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. This question about how many people will be saved that this man asks Jesus on the road is obviously a very, it's kind of like a burning question. It's always been a question that's been examined throughout the history of the church. Um, It is actually a a current source of even controversy and and talk right now in the church. And, of course, we don't know the answer, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't say this percentage of people. Uh, He doesn't give us a, a particular number. He just tells us what to do to get through the narrow gate. And he says, the gate is narrow, though. And I think when we look at this question of how many people go to heaven, and many of us in the modern world, and just kind of in our day and age right now, we probably have this idea that basically everybody goes to heaven. I would say if you were to take a poll, and such polls have been done, the average person would probably say that most people go to heaven. And I think it makes us kind of feel a little bit better and um, gives us a little bit of comfort. It's, It's important, I think, for us, though, to take a step back 
and just kind of make a few logical assertions and some just rational assertions about this question. The first question is, who decides if we go to heaven? And to to understand that question, first we have to go back to the question of, do we actually believe that Jesus is God? So that's kind of our first criteria, is do we believe that this person who came in 2,000 years ago, who asserted their divinity, the person of Jesus Christ, was actually who he said he was? He claims over and over again, in various forms, in different ways, that he was God, that he's divine. And if he is divine then we should probably listen to him. He also claims that he was on a mission and that he was basically, the whole trajectory of his life was aimed towards the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that this also had to do with this question that we're examining, the salvation of the world. And so if we accept the premise that Jesus himself is God, that the whole purpose of him coming and becoming one of us, of God becoming a human being, was to essentially help us get to heaven and be with God and be with our loved ones forever, then he is the one that we should listen to about how to get into heaven. Because he's really the only one who, who, would, who would seemingly know how to get to heaven. What is Jesus' criteria? Not what is our own opinion or our own subjective kind of view. Of course, that's always going to be there to a certain extent, but we should work that subjective view and that opinion off of the evidence and where we kind of stand on some of these claims that I just mentioned. So if Jesus is God, and if Jesus died for the sins of the world, so that we could get to heaven and receive salvation through him, then what does he say about how we access this salvation? Well, first off, right just in this passage, he says it's a narrow door. And here and in Matthew's gospel, he talks about this criteria as he gives this image of somebody knocking on the door. And The interesting thing here, right, in these images that Jesus gives is these people are presuming that they're going to get through the door. And it's like a, this is a very, very shocking thing for them. Well, you taught in our streets. We ate at your table. And Jesus says, I do not know where you are from. In Matthew's Gospel, he says something similar. He says, I do not know you. I do not know you. These are very similar criteria. Familiarity with the gatekeeper. Friendship with Jesus. Again, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25... We probably all remember that very famous scene 
where it's, it's kind of an eschatological scene. It's at the end of time. And Jesus is sorting the sheep and the goats. You remember, people don't really recognize what he's saying to them. He says, um, you helped me in these various circumstances. You put clothing on me. You gave me food. You visited me in prison, etc., etc. Or you didn't. There's this do-I-know-you factor that Jesus is very concerned with, and it seems to be the central question of salvation. Do we know him, or is he an acquaintance? Because if you, if you look closely at the, the two objections that the people knocking on the door give, there are kind of objections that should sound somewhat familiar. Well, I, I went to a, a Catholic school. I, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I, I'm a baptized Catholic. Okay. Those are cultural reasons. Are those relational reasons? What's our relationship look like right now? What's our relationship look like at the moment of our death? In the olden days, there was a deep desire to make sure that one made a very good confession and was in proper and right relationship with God before they died. People didn't want to be in this position of these people who who Jesus speaks to here. Knocking at the door and him saying, we're not friends. We're acquaintances. There is no serious friendship here. The criteria that Jesus gives basically is, is he appoints for familiarity because then the question becomes, well, how do we stay in friendship with Jesus? The way we stay in friendship with Jesus is the way that the church gives us to stay in friendship with Jesus. Because that can also be kind of a tricky question, right? We all can have different definitions of what it looks like to be in proper relationship with God. And that could very easily get become, a, uh, we can rationalize with ourselves and kind of make that look like what we want that to look like. Where essentially it's kind of a one-sided relationship and it's not actual, actually a legitimate friendship with God. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That's what he says to the twelve at the Last Supper. What Jesus has commanded us to do is to, is to listen to his shepherds throughout the ages who he has given us. He has given us the church as a guide to help us to understand and know how to be in friendship with him. We're called to, of course, participate in the liturgy and the sacraments, to pray with him, to know him. These are, the, these are the criteria to repent through the sacrament of confession if we've sinned very seriously, to receive him in his body and his blood. And we should understand, though, you know, if it kind of, uh, if this passage makes us a little bit nervous when we start asking these questions about heaven, death, and dying, knocking on the door, um, that Jesus didn't come for no reason. God loves us with 
an energy and a passion and a desire that is absolutely and utterly unimaginable. It, it far exceeds the love that a parent has for their child, that a spouse has for their spouse. The love of God is undescribable. It's unimaginable. God is constantly pursuing us and drawing us towards himself, relationally. Jesus, we ask you to help us to strive to enter through the narrow gate. Help us to be obedient to the ways that you've given us to be in relationship with you. And help us, Lord, to just enjoy friendship with you, above all. To just live in this friendship all the rest of the days of our life. To enjoy the sweetness of your presence, the goodness of your, of your, of your love, of your consolation. Help us, help us to not follow you out of obedience, primarily, but just out of love, first and foremost, and just affection for you. Just as we serve our loved ones, and we desire to serve them because of our affection for them and our love for them, help us, help our love to be our motivating movement of heart. Bless our families, give us endurance, and protect us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's just take a few moments in silent prayer to listen to and speak with the Lord in our own hearts.